Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Hello, tech leaders. Welcome to the Great Lakes podcast. I'm your host, Lance Carlson. And here joining me is Adam Oberhausen and Tom Kowalski. 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 Like Kowalski. Sausage. You. Like the sausage. That's now I'm going to do it better. <laughs> He's the heir to the Kowalski fortune. I love it. So we've got the heir to the Kowalski fortune. And we have Adam, who's actually, if you can't see him right now, he's dressed up in a ski outfit, it kind of looks like, <laughs> because it's snowing outside. <laughs> we uh, we have an interesting topic to talk about. I apologize for anyone who's uh, joined in thinking that we're going to be talking about GPT assistance. I was really excited about that topic, but that's going to come next episode that I, that I when we talk about OpenAI. So come join us for that. Today, we're here to talk about this whole crazy incident with OpenAI. It was absolutely crazy over one weekend. Did, did you guys hear about this? Yeah, this was a strange one because I, I could usually, I don't really care about, you know, some leadership shuffling around, but this one, like, really, I was like, whoa, this seems crazy. Like, what is going on? So, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this and uh, go through your forensics timeline. I think there's a lot of questions that still haven't been answered i kind of once he got rehired i kind of well for those that don't know what what are we talking about yeah what are we talking about yeah what are we talking about lance so uh sam altman got fired from the from OpenAI as the ceo uh by the board (gasps) crazy normally you know business as usual potentially if it wasn't one of the biggest companies in ai you know ever and what was even more controversial is that the board just made the decision what seemed like out of nowhere. And so, yeah, we're here to discuss kind of every angle of this because there's so so much going on. I I can go through the timeline now or if you did you have any other comments cuz it was it was insane. I was following this over the weekend and it was just nonstop new stuff. Like it was like a drama. You couldn't write this stuff. The- yeah, it's yeah. hard to tell the timeline, right? You see an article or a pop-up was like, "Wait, was this yesterday's?" Because it was just a lot of yeah, roller coaster back and forth. So yeah, let's let's jump into the timeline, and I'm sure we'll riff off of that. I think one one thing I did want to say before the timeline is just I think you know obviously we put these tech CEOs on a pedestal, right? And then there's just been a recent, you know, with the Sam Bankman Friedman guy and, mm-hmm. you know, so Elizabeth Holmes, it just seems like I was like, I thought something like that was going on, uh, but it doesn't typically appear to be the case. And I'm always like, I'm very reluctant to anoint CEOs and think they're going to save humanity just because I think the recent track record for some of these fast moving tech companies is that they're built on a, a mountain of lies. So um, I hope that's not the case for OpenAI and, and Sam Altman because I've been a pretty big fan of the work he's done. So 
take us to this timeline, Lance. Help me make sense of what happened. <laughs> and, I, and I completely agree with all of that sentiment. And it's really interesting because Sam Altman, of all people, is kind of part of that old tech culture and where some of those issues did crop up, like Zuckerberg and the build things and you know break things fast. Same kind of culture. Sam comes from that pedigree deeply. And we can go into that later, but uh, the timeline. So November 16th, uh, Ilya Satskever schedules a call with Altman. He was one of the board members. He's the chief scientist at OpenAI, and and he's a board member too. He texted Altman on Thursday night about scheduling a call for the next day at noon. So this is November 16th, so that's Thursday. Yeah. And then there was a notification of Altman's firing. Brockman alleges that Mira Marathi, who is the CTO of OpenAI, uh, that she would that she would become the interim CEO and was informed of Altman's impending firing. To give some context, Brockman, Greg Brockman is the chairman of the board, so he was also a board member, and was informed via the call that he was being removed from the board but would retain his role as president. And this is November 17th, sorry. So now we're into November 17th. That would retain his role as president. During this call, it was confirmed that Altman has been fired. Three senior OpenAI researchers resign. Microsoft releases a statement. Satya, the CEO of Microsoft, released a statement regarding Altman's firing saying, as you saw that at Microsoft's Ignite this week, we're continuing to rapidly innovate for this era of AI with over 100 announcements across the full tech stack from AI systems, models, tools, uh, and Azure to Copilot. Most importantly, we're committed to delivering all of this to our customers while building for the future. We have a long-term agreement with OpenAI with full access to everything to deliver on the innovation agenda and exciting product roadmap. Basically, he's just saying like, with Mira, it should be, and, and the team, it should be fine. Nothing yes, to worry exactly. About here. Yeah, nothing uh, to say. Hansel local, everything's fine here. <laughs> uh, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, all hands meeting at OpenAI. There was was held with uh, Ilya, and he defended the decision to oust Ottman, arguing it was necessary to protect OpenAI's mission, and dismissed allegations that it was a hostile takeover. OpenAI published a post on its blog announcing the uh, firing of Altman, and Brockman says he got a text from uh, Ilya shortly after noon on Friday asking for a quick call. After sending a Google Meet link, Brockman was told that he was being removed from the board as chairman, but was a vital part of the company and ret- retained his role as president, and that Altman had been fired. All right, November 18th. In an internal memo obtained by Axios sent Saturday morning, OpenAI COO Brad Lightcap said yesterday's announcement took the management team by surprise and that management had had multiple conversations with the board to try to better understand the reasons and process behind their decision. So, like, they're just confused right now, (laughs) trying to figure out what's going on because, you know, this has happened in such a short time period. Discussions were ongoing as of Saturday morning per the memo. We can definitely say that the board's decision was not made in response to malfeasance or anything related to financial, business, safety, or security privacy practices, like Cab added. This was a breakdown in communication between Sam and the board. Well, we still share your concerns about the process, how the process has been handled, and are working to resolve the situation, and we'll provide updates as we are able. So they're still getting vague answers from the board, and they're still trying to figure it out. 
this coming from the COO, right? Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that blip where they said, no, it's not some financial trickery or, you know, yep. malfeasance. Uh, so that's good to know. But I think it, the, it just like off like eight things. It's like, well, what else is there? Like, what is he, what is he guilty of, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. They, they originally said like miscommunication, right? Or not like yeah. disclosing everything or something like that. Yeah. Right. That was on the blog post. Exactly. And sorry, I actually didn't, uh, I didn't have that linked here to talk about what was said on there, but you're, you're 100% accurate. They said there was a miscommunication with the board. Yeah. Whatever that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to pull up the language, there might be some more. We can come back to that. It's very cryptic. Yeah. It's like you capture right. the essence of it. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on. <laughs> Ooh, this is, so we're still in the middle of it. <laughs> Following these events, the planned sale of OpenAI employee shares valuing the startup at about $86 billion was reported to be in jeopardy, potentially affecting the company's valuation. Altman had, was reported to be planning a la- to launch a new venture, possibly an AI chip startup, with Greg Brockman expected to join. <laughs> Investors upset with the situation started exerting pressure on OpenAI's board to reinstate Altman with reports of Microsoft CEO Satya uh, being sympathetic to this cause. And then the board agrees to reverse course in principle. The board reportedly agreed to, in principle to resign and allow Altman and Brockman to return. However, the board missed a deadline that led many OpenAI staffers to consider leaving. Altman was said to be ambivalent about returning, you know, obviously, seeking significant governance changes. Basically, probably remove the board and we probably need to change how this is working. And what day is this now? And what... November 18th, we're on still. We're still on 18th. All right. I'm going to derail the conversation, Lance, but like the structure of OpenAI, how they transitioned from like a nonprofit to the whole board structure was like something I'd never heard of. So um, maybe you, after we go through the timeline, like you can, if you can explain how they're even set up and how they were set up and how they are set up now, I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, I can quickly go into that because it's kind of interesting. I don't have 100% details on it, but from what I understand, the the history is that OpenAI was a nonprofit and it was, it was uh, I don't know if it was started, but he was one of the starting people. Actually, Elon Musk was one of the people that started OpenAI and he got, I think he got ousted at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, it was a nonprofit and they were seeking about 130 they got up to about $130 million in donations to work on this project. And their um, their goal has always been to create AGI. And um, at some point, it was concerning to them that basically $130 million was not enough to do, to reach their research goals to accomplish this because they really needed more compute power. Yeah. And, um, and data. So what they did was... Access yes, to data. Yes. Yeah. And so they spun off uh, the for-profit version, but with open a- with the nonprofit still in control, and they uh, they brought Sam Altman on because he is, you know, an expert at delivering. And we can talk all day about Sam Altman's pedigree, but he he was one of the I think he was the CEO of uh, Y Combinator, which is a, you know obviously a founder prolific yeah. VC fund. Yeah, so bringing uh, some AI product to market was his his job. So the thing, the open AI, the chat GPT that you and, and the open AI API that you and I know today was manifested by Sam. 
Like that's the product he built. Mm-hmm. And the, the technology behind it is OpenAI's research project. And so that's what brought all this money in and attention to what we know and I personally love today. Any other questions about the uh Well, Sam structure? didn't actually join OpenAI until they decided, hey, we need to, we need to, this, those four original board members, or those four board members, the ones that were like there from the nonprofit? That's through, a good question. Through to November 16th when they ousted him? I don't know when, the, what the timeline in, uh, is of this board, that or that board, because it's not, Spoiler alert, it's not the same board anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we, I would love to look into that. I, and and then we can talk about who those board members were too uh, at some point. So November 19th, Sam was expected to meet OpenAI's San Francisco headquarters with executives pushing for his reinstatement as CEO. Greg Brockman was also invited to this meeting. Board negotiations hit a snag. Efforts by Lightcap and Marathi to reinstate Altman faced resistance from the board, which hadn't resigned due to concerns over potential replacements. So the board is still around because they were looking for replacements. The board was also considering new candidates, including Salesforce uh, co-CEO Brett Taylor. So Altman's out and Shear is in. It was reported that Altman would not return as CEO at this point. Emmett Shear, the co-founder of Twitch, was appointed as the interim CEO, replacing Marathi, which which is funny because all you know Twitch is also a Y Combinator darling, and uh, Emmett and um, and Sam know each other pretty well, I assume. I hadn't. Um, it just seems so random that this guy from Twitch was like the the interim CEO. I was just like, oh, okay, this guy from Twitch is now the CEO. I had, well, I, think- I didn't I didn't know his background. But it just seemed like sort like a they just like spin a wheel and like oh let's let's see if this guy will do the job. I'm sure they're picking from the same you know pedigree because they're like a yeah. Y Combinator person. I, I actually follow the Y Combinator YouTube a lot and um, can't remember his name right now. But one of the other co-founders of Twitch is uh, is on there doing a lot of YouTube stuff and he's really great. So definitely stuff that the Twitch guys really know what they're doing uh, at at an executive level and delivering product. But on November 20th, Sam Altman, Greg Brockman, and colleagues announced that they'll join Microsoft to lead an a-, a new AI research team. Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, leaves the door open to other open AI staffers saying that they'll get- be given the resources they need should they choose to join. So some context here is that Microsoft had put in, what, $10 billion something dollars in to make sure... So, so it's hard. To, I don't actually know how much of that was actually put into OpenAI and how much of that was given as a um, compute resource because most of that is compute. Most of that money is allocated for a compute resource in order on Azure so that um, you know OpenAI can be hosted and because because there was just an immense amount of uh, compute power required for this. And so at this point, there there's also agreements with Microsoft and OpenAI um, where Azure gets to use. The technology for their enterprise customers, and so there's an issue because if there's any sort of rockiness with OpenAI governance and and an existing, then maybe the, the enterprise customers at Microsoft are going to question whether or not Microsoft is able to continue delivering on mm-hmm. all of the enterprise Azure stuff. Because right now, if you're a an, um, if you are a startup 
and you're running on OpenAI's API, at some point you get to the point where your usage is too high and usually you're not going to want to be on OpenAI's API, especially because I almost think of OpenAI's API as like the sandbox because it goes down a lot. And so you want to use that for development. But as soon as you go enterprise, you want to switch to Azure because you get get access to GPT-4, but you get a lot more, you know, scalability there. Uh, mm. You can you can pay for more API usage. So if you're if you're looking to start a startup on on OpenAI's GPT-4, eventually you're probably going to need to go on Azure. Okay. So Satya at this point is just like doing his CEO thing and just being like, "Look, everybody, this is fine. This is fine. Don't don't panic." Um, I remember when this broke. This news broke about you know he joined Microsoft, and I'm still just kind of like reeling um just kind of like this is insane yeah i just remember like you know reading the comments and some of the some of the threads and the articles it's just like you know satya is playing 4d chess you know it's basically it's like a it's a he's taking over he he's basically bought out open ai without you know without even you know writing a check um because i mean just again the board member had flopped so magnificently on this decision and in the amount of employees that had signed the letter, um, basically, I was—I mean, I was worried that the company wouldn't exist in a few days if if this thing was going to continue to play out the way it was playing out. So, yeah, that was—I was once he signed with Microsoft, I was like, "Oh man, this this could be over. This could this this whole this company could just be gone, and it, we could be just running it all our." All, all my uh, AI queries through whatever Azure stands up in the next couple of days. Which is where the 4D chess comment comes in because it's like, oh, even if OpenAI does, does uh, die, everyone's going to be switching to Azure at that point. Yeah. What's next? What's it been? This is four, day four? Or was that day we're, four? Yeah, we're still on November 20th. So Ilya publishes a post on X suggesting that he regrets his decision to remove Altman and that he'll do everything in his power to reinstate Altman as CEO. And then, this is the big one, employees signed a letter threatening to resign. Nearly 500 of OpenAI's 770 employees, including remarkably Ilya, publish a letter saying that they might quit unless the startup's board resigns and reappoints and ousts Altman. Later that later uh, Monday, that number climbed to over 650, <laughs> and I think it got up to 700, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. and I uh, wonder how quickly Altman fired the 70 folks that didn't uh, sign it. And did they did they still have a job at Microsoft? Because <laughs> yeah, that I mean that when I once it started climbing, I was like, this is. This is escalating really quickly, and yeah. like just I've never seen, I've never seen anything like this kind of play out so quickly and so dramatically. Um, and so, and so, a lot of what I heard on the on the thread sphere was that, um, or at least the news that was being published, is that part of the reason that there was so much alignment with the employees uh, more than normal is that he he's. Uh, value driven over and value and mission driven uh, over other practices uh, of, of a company which um you know I think I think that certainly uh, th- that loyalty is definitely there when you have something of so much hype you know AI and being the leader 
you can definitely be like, okay, here's this is the mission and we can stick to it and let's let's not jump off this train just yet. You know, it's easier to do that when you're when you're sort of the leader of the pack and it's so early. Um, so so that was that the deciding factor for that that board to say, okay, we're we're throwing our hands up was the employees like signing that letter, right? Yeah. That it's just yeah. interesting, right? Because the, the board has all that power right there, right? They could go either way, but so they decided best interest of the company going forward because we can't have all these employees quit is for us to quit. Or how did we get into that? Yeah, I don't know. But this letter kind of uh, from all the employees signing it made that that happen. That's interesting. If it wasn't going to be Satya, <laughs> you know, pulling down the, the hammer, uh, it was definitely the employees. But yeah. I guess so that Satya has said in the past, you know, he doesn't, again, it's neither here nor there for him. It, you know, he, he can work with an open AI that isn't led by Altman. But I think that an open AI not led by Altman means something completely different than what the board was firing him for. So what's the mm-hmm. point? You know, if you're yeah. just replacing him with another CEO that's going to execute on the same thing that they're doing today, what was the point? Mm. But we can get into that later because there was there's some communication issues that uh, well I can there's some some stuff I want to talk about there. But All right. Altman and Brockman considering return as reported by The Verge. Altman's move to Microsoft isn't a done deal, and both Altman and Brockman are still open to returning to OpenAI. That is, if the remaining board members who initially fired him step aside. OpenAI board rec- uh, considers merger. This is weird. So OpenAI during merger. this whole thing, yeah. So OpenAI's board of directors approached Dario Amodi, uh, the co-founder and CEO of rival large language model developer Anthropic, about a potential merger of the two companies. The approach was part of an effort by OpenAI to persuade Amodi to replace Altman as CEO, but Amodi quickly turned down the CEO offer. Crazy. Hmm. And I know that. Yeah. November Wait, 21st. What was, that? what was that? The board tried to replace Altman with the bo- uh, the CEO of uh, an Anthropic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I did remember that. Who did work I there? I think because... most of the people who started Anthropic worked for OpenAI. That's right. Yeah, they left because of uh, alignment issues. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, but which is funny because I think that, I don't know, I think they're pretty aligned still, like pretty close at this point. Yeah. The, uh, the effect of it, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have been that way had they not left and, you know, who knows. Sam Altman, okay, this is uh, November 21st. Uh, Sam Altman uh, and OpenAI reached an agreement to return as CEO and the initial new board. In a sudden late announcement, OpenAI revealed that it and Altman have reached an agreement in principle for him to return as this company's CEO. In addition to Altman's return, its new initial board would include former Salesforce Chief Executive Brett Taylor, former U.S. Secretary of Treasury Larry Summers, and Quora founder Adam D'Angelo. And Adam was already on the board to begin with. Think, this was right? what, what day are we on? November twenty first. Okay, okay. If this is the day <laughs> when ChatGPT was down at some point, I was trying to yeah. you know do some work, and I was like, yeah, I mean, not surprising. Seven hundred employees are probably you know got their feet on their desks and saying <laughs> waiting for the board to announce <laughs> that uh, they they resigned, and I'm just kind of like you know this tool that I've become 
pretty heavily dependent on is not working. And I was just, uh, I, you know, I put it in our, our discord channel. I was like, okay, I guess I got to go check out Bard again because, uh, this thing is not working. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, that's when I thought it was over. I just thought it was over. I like, I like that XKCD meme where it's like, where the, the, the programmers are like, you know, X is something is down and then they're out in the back playing, you know, uh, sword fighting or whatever it is. <laughs> Get back to work. That's really it, right? You know, it was the internet and now, you know, it's turning into a, a you know, large language model or whatever, something of AI assist. Yeah. No, if it's down, right? I, yeah. It's going to be coming yeah, work, man. on your work. Yeah. But you're right. There's going to be alternatives that are catching up like Bard and Claude is pretty good. Um, but, you know, ChatGPT, if I can get it, if I'm using, if it's working, I'm using that. It's my uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> what's the, uh, yeah, what's the, what's your, Claude's your number two? Claude's probably my number two. Bard I use for things uh, that are more recent. So if I, if I actually wanted to Google, if I want like Google plus, you know what I mean? Then I'll use, I'll use Bard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So December twenty first. That's or November. Um, yep. November twenty first. Reached an agreement for him to come back. Or yes. We... In his words, his decision to join Microsoft was the best path for me and the team. At this point, his foot was halfway in the door with Microsoft, and okay. he was he was okay with that. But then, OpenAI's board of directors reportedly in talks with Sam Altman, XY Combinator president, and uh, to return as CEO as soon as next week. So according to Bloomberg, said that discussions are happening between Cora, CEO, Adam D'Angelo, uh, one current member of the OpenAI board and Altman and possibly other board members as well. So yes, that that was the day when they were having discussions. Then board tensions boil over. The New York Times reports that after his ousting, Sam Altman made a move to push out board member Helen Toner. So this is, this is talking about uh, prior to the firing happening. Um, before his ousting, Sam Altman made a move to push out board member Helen Toner because he thought a paper she had co-written was overly critical of OpenAI. That, among other issues, led to OpenAI's current predicament. Speaking of, the Times indicated that negotiations to hire Altman back continue, but that one major sticking point remained. They wanted guardrails meant to improve Altman's communication with the board, whatever that means. <laughs> Sounds very so micromanagey to me. Hmm. Yes. So this happened before, this is before all this happened, right? Yes. Yes. That board member. Oh, and then Helen. Yeah, Helen Toner. Okay. So there was, there's all this speculation as to why they for, fired him. Um, I, I can, uh, I'll go into the, all of those other ones, but I, I actually do want to, um, say the one that I thought made the most sense. And it was, it was from Ezra Klein. He said that, uh, one thing in the OpenAI story I am now fully convinced of is it's as it is consistent in my interviews on both sides. This was not about safety. It was not about commercialization. It was not about the speed of development or releases. It was not about Q star. We'll talk about Q star in a minute. It was a really, it was really a pure fight over control. The board felt it couldn't control trust Altman. It felt Altman could and would outmaneuver them in a pinch, but he wasn't outmaneuvering them on X issue. They just felt they couldn't govern him. So it wasn't like a particular issue. It was that they felt they couldn't govern him, which is crazy for a board to just be like, we can't control him, so let's just fire him. Like, that to me. You know? But it's kind of yeah. true, right? They, they can't even control him so much they couldn't even fire him. So it's, it's interesting, <laughs> right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. 
Whether that's a good reason to remove the CEO is an open question. The employees yeah. obviously did not, and they ended up holding the real power, but that was the reason. People, including me, kept assuming there were some other principle at stake or direction, directional disagreement lurking, but there wasn't, which is at the end why the board had so much trouble explaining its position. Yeah, that's very, you know, that's where it's like, we have all this information, all the timeline, but we still don't know. Like, I want to like, I want like the board to go on like 60 minutes and like talk, like, you know, confess what happened here. Yeah. Let's be completely transparent. And like, how did it come to this? Because, uh, and they must've just gotten some kind of group think. I mean, I know there's only four, I think there's only four board members, right? So I could see how this small, is that correct that there's, there's four there at the time of his firing, there's technically four, but there was uh, because I think of Greg. Greg Brockman was the the chairman. Okay, but so five. Greg or... Greg Brockman wasn't involved in the firing. Like he was kept out of this loop. Yeah, yeah. It's just like uh, these four individuals just uh, somehow got in this group think pattern where they thought they could pull this off, and it just seems like they, you know, just weren't really thinking it all the way through. And there, I mean, and it's it was hard that, it was interesting because of how vague the blog post was. It led to all of these fractalization of news, like uh, um, thoughts, theories about what could have, you know, been the reason. Uh, one story that came out was that Altman was, uh, you know, heavily tr- or trying to invest in and participate in AI chips. He was seeking funding for billions uh, for an AI chip company. From the Saudis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other one was that they thought, you know, maybe it was a commercialization and the too much speed up of, of uh, a- AGI, right? Yeah. Which, which, you know, then a whole bunch of other arguments about whether or not you can and should slow down a- AGI came up. Talking about those and, and, and the regulations behind it are still conversations that come up. And then another, the the most crazy rumor was that this thing um, called QSTAR was coming out that would, you know, be able to do math extraordinarily well and would be able to, you know, break encryption and all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. QSTAR was like, uh, you know, on the cusp of AGI and Altman right. was having personal conversations with it and manipulating it and... <laughs> Making making geopolitical moves with QSTAR. <laughs> like, the hands got so absurd, I was just like, okay. Is that a name for product that they're working on, or where did that come from? I think it is an internal thing they have. I, I don't even yeah. know if that's true, if QSTAR is an internal project. And, and it's uh, it's funny, because then there was all the speculation about what QSTAR is, and um, I can't remember what it was. There's, there, is a, there is an AI-specific uh, pattern or, or or algorithm that it, it's not it's not it, that was kind of related to QSTAR that they thought it might be based on, and then people were speculating that that would allow GPT to plan, and but but GPT can do planning. It's got if you ask it to to plan, it'll plan based on what your context is. So I'm not really sure how that would add value. Certainly, mm-hmm. the ability to for it to do more to do better math. Uh, could be interesting um but you know i don't know yeah hmm. yeah it was quite the whirlwind quite the whirlwind i'm glad he's uh, back no i'm glad the service is up and running i can use it once again 
something you, you think this is do you think it's do you think the matter is settled lance or do you think there's still like i mean i know they've kind of the board's all new i'm sure they're all very pro altman but i mean do you think this is the dust has settled and this thing open ai's on a on a course with altman to lead the way for the foreseeable future now i think that if the cooler heads prevail that's what we're that's what the direction we're going yes um i think there's a lot more people in, uh, invested and involved in this project than the board realized. <laughs> I don't know how they didn't keep that into context, but I think that just that alone is going to put checks and balances on Altman. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm naive about that, but I do think at least for the foreseeable next couple of years, it makes sense to to keep Altman on the path that he's going because. We can see, I mean, that last dev conference was amazing. I mean, the amount of product releases that were coming out, I mean, some of their feature releases were completely, in my opinion, completely rendering a lot of these sort of add-on uh, to open AI, oh, yeah. these wrapper companies, they just completely eliminated their use because it's, and they, and they have consistently said, don't create an open AI wrapper. Like create something of value that's mm-hmm. serving customers, and then use us use use the OpenAI API as a way to augment your service. Don't don't just make a wrapper because we're probably going to be making something that's going to compete with that suit. Yeah, all my little uh, personal widgets that I've created just for my own to optimize my own workflows have kindly uh, almost been eliminated by the updates that they've created. I still enjoy my little tools because, you know, my little pet projects, but yeah, I could, and I could tell like you could just, anytime the technology like ChatGPT came out, the spam of products and services that were essentially just wrappers around it was like in, incomprehensible. Like there was just so many that provided ze- almost zero value. Um, Add a little context to your prompt and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the other the other thing I was curious about was like I don't I don't really know I didn't know of Sam Altman before he became you know the CEO of ChatGPT and you you seem to think highly of him before he had joined OpenAI and uh, you know said he came from like the old school technologist you know fail fast mindset so yeah I just was like, if you could if there's a little history lesson there and you know why seems like you're pro Sam Altman and I, I always, I always look for mentors and technologists in the space that are good to follow. And, you know, I was following him anyway, but yeah, just what do you know about his history and how did he end up, you know, leading this company and doing what he's doing? I don't know that much about him beyond, it's funny because I first heard about Sam Altman because of OpenAI, but I did research him after the fact. And, you know, I've, I've known about Y Combinator forever. But yeah. for some reason, I you didn't really know who was at the helm um, and didn't really research his background. But uh, I'm really a fan, a big fan of what Y Combinator has done and spit out. And at the moment, I'm a fan of him because he's definitely created something that I use and, and appreciate and love. And, the, and that's really hard to do, uh, especially in the time frame he was given. I don't I don't necessarily like the. I don't always necessarily like the, you know, break things and and move fast because, you know, there was a there 
ChatGPT was down for a little bit yesterday, and then I looked at the reason why, and it was because of some production database fix. And it's like, well, the only reason they're doing that is because our production database changed. And the only reason they're doing that is because they're moving fast, right? Like you shouldn't, you don't have to go down so often if you're not changing stuff so often, but they're changing stuff so rapidly that, you know, I think that my opinion is that's why the API is going down. So there are, there are things that are kind of Sam Altman artifacts that aren't the greatest, but the fact that we have it here today is pretty amazing. And my opinion on Sam today, you know, it's great, but that might change if he turns into someone else that I appreciated as a CEO. Like Elon. <laughs> Voldemort. <laughs> no. I don't know. If you start acting like crazy, then yeah, my opinion will change. Yeah, it did make I me mean, consider because I, I do have a, a plus account, right? Open AI. I pay for it. And, you know, when this was going down, it's like, oh, this is ugly, right? Like I, you know, trusting them with my data and, you know, paying for it. And it's like, ooh, now I'm going to have to rethink this. Um, yeah. But it's but, exciting. Yeah. Again, I was going to talk about uh, the a segue into our next. I know, I know uh, some of you came for that GPT assistance, but this kind of interrupted everything because we have to kind of address the issue of whether or not uh, OpenAI is going to be the thing that we put our you know, all of our eggs in the basket for, but I think it's still fine. I think we're in a, we're in good shape and we can rely on it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they push out in the future. And GPT assistance is pretty cool. We can, it'll be fun because we get to check out, okay, what are the pros and cons? Like, what is the difference between just using a long, because it has such a long context window, what is the difference between using a GPT assistant and what we could have just done like a one prompt maybe? But um, there's definitely some differences. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, experiments with what are called RAG, which are just, it's basically adding memory to these systems. ChatGPT had some pretty severe limitations in the beginning. And so we built these vector databases that allowed you to kind of query memory and then inject that back into the prompt. Because really, the, the best way we know how to reduce hallucinations is to actually prime it with the correct data. So the best way, in my opinion, to reduce hallucinations is to have a really robust RAG and potentially in the future, some other cognitive architectures or ways of searching data more efficiently. Because um, when you have the correct information inside of the context, it has a lot lower chance of actually hallucinating. Yeah, I played around with the... Um... Is, is the custom GPTs, is that what they call it? You know, when you can create your own little personal GPT? Yeah. I think from a, a user experience, it was pretty mind-blowing how easy it is to, to get something set up and, and start playing around with a, a GPT that has a specific purpose. I, I created one that helped me, you know, kind of formulate some social media posts, right? I, I try to be active on LinkedIn and, you know, I like to feed it articles and have it, you know, give me some ideas for how I could create this article into a, a social post. And I haven't revisited it since I actually created my, what I call poster boy, um, my poster boy GPT. <laughs> but I will say that I wasn't particularly blown away. I felt like I didn't go too deep into it, but it's basically like you, you set an initial prompt, you know, you are poster boy, you, uh, you know, you help me write concise LinkedIn posts in a professional manner. And then I just, it ultimately, it, it felt like I was just conversing with ChatGPT 
like, and I could steer it off course really easy. Um, I wasn't trying to, but when I did try to like steer it off course, it, it got way off course. And I kept, I kept having to go back and like dial in the configuration to get it to do what I wanted consistently. And I, I never really got it to do the thing I wanted to do, to do consistently. So in my first experience with it, I didn't feel like I got any better results than just working with ChatGPT directly. With that said, I only spent a couple hours with it and I didn't refine it. And, you know, I didn't upload the data files and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, what, what was your take on, I mean, have you created a, I saw you made a Ruby on Rails one, Lance. I'm, I'm sure it's probably pretty good at that just because it's been good at coding in my experience. Um, but yeah, what was your first take? I mean, were you are you impressed with these custom GPTs or... Do you think that what I was saying kind of, it's easy to steer them off course or? Well, it's funny because ChatGPT itself has some sort of uh, optimization, I think, going on where it's either doing some recursive summarization or something uh, in order to keep the context of your chat conversation. Definitely. So what's interesting is that now ChatGPT is doing the same thing, but also using your GPT assistant as well. And... The same problems that you encounter where you're you can steer it off course in normal GPT is 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 something you can do in the GPT assistant. Now the way that they've optimized the assistant with ChatGPT, I'm not entirely sure how much of that is going into your into your context, but it's interesting to experiment with. I I've I have my Ruby on Rails uh, one I. You know, ChatGPT has a lot of information about how to program Ruby on Rails built into the model, but I have some techniques that I want to talk about next episode that lets you create notes, basically, from uh, what it knows based on the new information you want to give it. So you kind of try to give it a you try to give it a reference point to which its current knowledge base is and then give the notes to to get it to where it needs to go with what you wanted to prime it with. So for example, if you have a if you have a book or something that you really like and you have notes of that book and how it does things better than maybe something that it doesn't have trained in its database, you take those notes and put them in to a GPT assistant and it will it will take that reference base and and you know work off of that instead of as as a preference instead of what it it's sort of standard deviation of the answer it's giving you mm-hmm. if that kind of makes sense I, was I, ask, I think of it more like uh, a more like these are my preferences you know what i mean right yeah have you with the um custom gpts have you actually uploaded those knowledge files like yes and and, and that's where you're talking about like you, if you have specific notes that you always want to your gpt to reference so that, and that's what I found. Like, I think if I built up a library of these LinkedIn posts that like, this is what I want them to look like. This is, you know, follow this format. You you have to give it, you have to give it training data. Um, yeah. You can't just give it an initial instructions because it, it, I think, so I'll revisit it. And I think there's probably some things you can do in the instructions to to say like, you know, if the prompt isn't relevant to your main purpose, right? Just reply with, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm not I'm not program I'm not I'm not programmed to help you with that type of request, right? Like if you ask it, like you know, where can I buy a new Toyota? And this is my 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 LinkedIn post generator. You could probably train it to say like I'm sorry, but this is this is beyond the scope of my purpose or something, right? 
I haven't played with that too much, but I do know that that is a feature of the custom assistant that you can provide it with like guidance around how it should answer. It was funny when I was experimenting with that, it, it did it, it actually did reply consistently for most, for the most part, but I did notice sometimes you could kind of wrangle it to not do that. But yeah, you, you can do that, but that's not part of the, what I would say the, the memory part of GPTs are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Have you actually used the action feature too, where you can actually have your GPT plug into any API out there and, and do stuff? Like Zapier? That's crazy to me. I mean, that to me is like the biggest web security threat um, that <laughs> has ever been created. It just dropped on humanity. That's We're gonna have, um But have you played around with that uh, functionality in terms of the, the action capability of these GPTs? It's funny, I haven't in this particular... So I, I think... I need to investigate it more, uh, to be honest, because when I do play with the uh, AP when I do play with stuff like that, I usually just use the API. Um, right. Since the beginning, you know, I, we were able to do that with the API from the beginning because the API gave you functions, and it could even give you like uh, multiple functions. It could choose which function based on what the person said. So we've had that ability as programmers to do that, but the ability for an you know, someone who doesn't have programming skills to do that is is kind of the next level. And uh, I know people are experimenting with Zapier. I, I wasn't aware that the it was available for people to actually call out external functions yet, um, but I will investigate that for the next episode. Yeah. I'm looking at the UI right now. It says, add actions. Let your GPT retrieve information or take actions outside of ChatGPT. Learn more. Well. I will I will have more information for you on how that works on the next episode because I do have a lot of experience with it on the API level, but that'll be yeah. interesting to see. If, it might be even easier to just use it through ChatGPT even for programmers. Yeah. You want to sign us off, Lance? You, you want to sign us off? I actually, I need to I need to get a better script for uh, how to sign us off. I usually have my script in front of me, but uh, <laughs> usually like, you know, blah, 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 thank you, blah, 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 it was fun, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, thanks for joining everyone in the audience. You know, we hope you found the conversation uh, engaging and insightful. And uh, we look forward to uh, bringing everyone back next week where we're going to be talking about um, some other interesting topic. Agile evolution, DevOps as a catalyst, led by our our frequent host, Ray Welker. So yeah. be sure to tune in and join That's the me. conversation. And uh, yeah, great episode, Lance.